0: Episode 103, Engaging Employees. Today, I speak with Jonathan Ozeron from Zest Health.
1: American healthcare entrepreneurs and executives you want to know. Talking. Relentlessly seeking value.
0: Here's your dose of healthcare history trivia for the day when Medicare and Medicaid was under discussion starting back in FDR's day and finally signed into existence by Lyndon B. Johnson in 1965. But during those years, a nationwide single-payer system was also on the table and under discussion. Interestingly, the idea to cover non-retired employed people was opposed by unions. At that time, at least, Unions believed that negotiating with employers on behalf of workers for healthcare insurance was a really compelling value proposition for them, and it made for a really good incentive for workers to join unions. And so, here we are. Today, I speak with Jonathan Ozeron from Zest Health about what it takes to help employees make better healthcare decisions and take advantage of the resources that an employer might make available to them to do so. Health does this by providing a kind of wraparound technology and support platform so that employees can interact in ways which are convenient and don't involve reading 76-page forms. Chat, as it turns out, is a really popular way for employees to get health information, for example. My name is Stacey Richter, and this podcast is sponsored by Aventria Health Group. Welcome to Relentless Health Value, Jonathan.
1: Hi, it's great to be here.
0: Let's talk about employees and employers and healthcare. Once a year, every employee has to select a health plan, which is offered by their employer. Why is this maybe not as straightforward as it may appear as soon as an employee opens up the first of hundreds of pages of documentation? <laughs>
1: Yeah, it's kind of funny how complicated and messy it can become for all of us as employees. And, and that's a world where we've seen technology and innovation really make a dent in health plan selection, making it easy to actually acquire your plan for yourself, your family dependents. The trick and the sad part, really, is that that's where the innovation has historically stopped. This is something that employers typically have seen a desperate need for. In fact, you know, one of the statistics we often cite is from Aon Hewitt, who's pretty well known in the space from 2014, is that this desperation for engagement beyond the plan selection process is now their top priority in 2016. So employers and benefit administrators are really looking for ways to make sure that employees and their family and their dependents are making the right decisions in healthcare, making the right purchase decisions, which is something new for folks. You know, most are akin to going on Amazon and buying household goods. They don't typically know to do that for an office visit or for a procedure. And that's the trend we're now seeing take place with employers and with uh, the policyholders and and the employees spending more and more of their hard-earned money and what they've budgeted for against the health expenses.
0: And I think it's pretty evident to anyone who has been in this Industry for longer than, oh, I'm going to say 12 minutes, that (laughs) there is a good deal of cost shifting that is going on. And some of that, of course, is driven by employers. It's very evident that patients are becoming much more price sensitive. I can see that this is kind of a conundrum because at the same time, you're getting employees who are price sensitive and might not necessarily be making, let's just say, good long-term decisions or not have the wherewithal to make good long-term decisions. In other words, kind of pennywise and pound-foolish, which winds up then impacting the employer in the long run. Is that what you're seeing?
1: Yeah, absolutely. The thing we've seen in terms of the, just the pure magnitude of the increases, even in the last 10 years or so, I think this was actually from Kaiser is that the worker contribution is over 80% as an increase in that 10-year mark. So what we used to know 10 years ago is putting towards our healthcare and kind of offsetting those costs that our employers are giving us as plans. We're now spending 80% more out of pocket for that. And the troublesome part, we can't just blame the employers. They're now spending 60% more than they were 10 years ago as well. So Those numbers continue to grow and escalate. And the employers are are arguably investing in more services and programs to augment the plan that sadly most employees just aren't aware of. They put it in an email, never refer back to it. And it's becoming apparent that making use of all of these services are really critical and not just having a plan. right? So there's integration needs across the landscape.
0: Yeah, while you were talking, I just looked up, it says 33% of patients reported using a home remedy instead of seeking medical care because Mm -hmm. of cost, and 15% are actually foregoing care when they're sick or injured because of cost. One of the things that you just said about how employers are making some of these tools available to employees, but employees are filing the email or putting a flag on it, and, and that's the last, it sees the light of day. Why does that happen?
1: I think there's a combination of factors that play into this. One is that the tools and the offerings have historically been how things were built in the late 90s and early 2000s, really thinking that it's a rigid internet portal or a PDF that really explained just at the highest level what the service was and didn't compel you to make take action. In a world where you live in performance marketing and search optimization and paid search, we're always capturing someone's attention for making a transaction. That's never really been applied to health care and benefits in, in that way. And so when you look at health plans and employers, they don't have the talent internally to manage some of these different types of capabilities in-house. And there's oftentimes a challenge with the HR team being so small. Their ratio between the HR and the employee base is nearly impossible for them to actually give that guidance and advice and support that is really critically needed. So the other side of that coin are the use cases that are valuable to employees. And having learned from our membership what people are looking for most, it's access to telemedicine and really an understanding of what telemedicine means to them, why they should use it for the first time, or how it's going to make sure that they have a great, meaningful conversation with a physician Urgent care is another great resource instead of driving directly to the emergency room out of panic. So we handle a lot of triage calls that seem to offer that trusted advisor when the health plan is unavailable, their phone lines are off, the employer, there's only a handful of HR team members available, and they don't have the information and resources at their fingertips, and you're you're left to go to Google or the emergency room. And we feel that there's a really strong need for this intermediate next generation advocacy program across the country, across the board.
0: The situation is this. We've got small HR teams who, nothing for nothing, probably user interface design might not be necessarily something that they have experienced a lot of training in. So, you know, you've got an HR team or medical plan administrator at an employer who is suddenly now faced with a situation where their own internal customers, the employees that they serve, they have many more needs Before, maybe, I'm not going to say it was turnkey by any stretch of the imagination, but if you had a plan that was picking up most of the costs and things were going relatively smoothly, there was a lot less involvement perhaps that was necessary by the employer. But now that we've got all this price shifting that's going on, things are just getting much more tilted towards the employee having a lot of questions or the employee having a a more potential to, to perhaps forego care and have that result in some pretty bad outcomes, which, as you just mentioned, the employer might be now more responsible for. I've heard Zest Health called a concierge.
1: Yeah, so we consider ourselves next generation advocacy, where we do all of the integration from a variety of different places. Think of who is eligible on a plan for an employer what are all the benefit designs and all the different permutations of those plans? There might be for a large employer, dozens, if not hundreds. And that becomes very confusing for that small team of HR folks to manage those inquiries that they get via phone and email. Health plans often have narrow and tiered structures for their provider networks, which makes it even more complicated and difficult for the end user employee, in this case, or their family to make the right decision. You then layer in things like HSA, FSA, knowing what a procedure might cost and how to get the best price without sacrificing quality, and then even just getting access to your own data in the form of accumulators and claims using telemedicine programs your employer is paying for but seeing less engagement for, this is a lot of information that if it can be placed one single experience, one mobile app, one phone call away, it's human-powered technology with all of the data that we'd ever really need to provide that guidance and trusted support. And that integration is really necessary because appointment scheduling is independent of the services and programs that are available to help you with your health. They're independent of the telemedicine programs who have doctors enlisted on their staff that don't necessarily integrate with the rest of the system. The benefits platforms are completely independent, and so too is the cost transparency. And so you ironically have this health system with 12 to 20 different independent silos of information, and no one has really been able to bring all of that together. Sadly, the health plans are probably the best position to do it, but haven't built that magnetic or sticky mobile experience or product experience that everyone expects from other walks of life and other tools and services. And there are very few and historically very few health and benefits offerings that went mobile exclusive or mobile first. And it's really that slow evolution that we think can be accelerated with solutions like Zest Health.
0: I have a bunch of questions about what you just said. But before we go there, I just want to bring one point to light, and that is the varying definitions of the word advocacy. Our first conversation, either I said the word advocate or you said it, and I think we were both confused. In my silo of the industry, if you say patient advocacy or you say advocacy, it means kind of a group with a common condition or mm-hmm. disease or concern might be the way to put it. And those individuals band together and advocate the health system on behalf of getting research done or better care for patients with that particular condition or concern. On your side of the house, however, what does advocacy mean? So these things can span
1: looking for a therapist and being able to request appointment with one. It could be things like helping with an EOB or understanding of that bill that they just received, this member in this case has received looking for a doctor's suggestion recommendation specific to a specialty, specific to a location, perhaps the member is traveling, really needing to know that this member is not going to get a surprise out of network bill. We're now seeing a number of inquiries on the advocacy side around prescription costs, and even knowing the alternative therapies and and other means of getting that medication, however it, it may need to be acquired. And then just generally the health and financial wellness, feeling healthier, understanding what an employer is providing in terms of yoga classes, for example, or having facilities for a larger you know, campus-oriented employer, not necessarily knowing how to engage in all these services that the employer is offering. So that is how we describe advocacy, and we route it through a mobile app, through chat, uh, which is now the number one means of interaction that we've seen between our concierge and our membership, and then as well as phone for those who don't have a smartphone, who are more comfortable with the traditional means of talking with someone on the phone, et cetera.
0: Prior to this last comment, you had mentioned something I found interesting that in a, let's just say, parallel universe, a payer could certainly be very well equipped to offer services such as this. And I think... Once again, it's pretty evident in this universe that payers have a really tough time with that. I mean, for one, they've never done it before. So they're very big rookies in the whole <laughs> developing sticky website space. So we've got that going on on that hand. But I would also suspect that employers, especially self-funded employers, might have things going on with be outside of the scope of a health plan as well. Do you see that, that employers are doing things which are outside of the purview of, of a payer? So having a third party who's able to pull together all these disparate resources is something, or are, are most things actually controlled by the
1: payer still? Yeah, I would say the employers have the inclination and the desire to have that be their, their future in an even current state. I think the challenge goes back to their resources and their ability to make that come to life. I think what we see is that services and programs are The employers are enrolling on behalf of the employee population. They'll have an email campaign, which really just comes from someone's outlook. It really isn't a a traditional email campaign we would see outside of healthcare and benefits, where you know your segments, you have cohorts, you're understanding kind of life cycle messaging around who's paying attention versus not. I think there's a tremendous opportunity to help those employers with those, we'll call them outreach campaigns, really getting someone to pay attention in a world in health and benefits where folks have historically been able to, had the luxury of being somewhat ignorant and somewhat indifferent about what was being provided by their employers, even though there was a significant spend there. And I think that has to do with what's now over 50% of employers at the large scale offering high deductible health plans, which means at the end of the day, every one of us has to think about instead of spending $1,500 on a plan, the deductible, now it's three, four, five, or $6,000. And with families, it goes even higher than that. The employers are benefiting from folks understanding that they have to pay more attention, but they're still grappling with what those tools are and what those pieces of information are that are super relevant and hyper focused on on the employee's decision making.
0: What are the ways in which a service such as Zest Health can get in there and help employees Get at the information that they're looking for in a way that doesn't involve. I was reading something the other day. They gave people a choice, you know, do you wanna read through health insurance documentation? Or (laughs) do you wanna, I don't know, have your finger smacked by a hammer or something like that? And most of them opted for the hammer. (laughs) So, how does a service like Zest Health come in and straighten out? or enable an employee to navigate this and make very good choices. And I think it was 71% of employer-sponsored ER visits are not necessary. I mean, so obviously there's costs that's involved here, not only patient or employee satisfaction.
1: Right. You shouldn't put a burden on on an individual, in this case an employee or a family member of that employee's plan, to have to relay and recite all of the information that's already perplexing and confusing for them. That's the whole point of where we've been as an industry Where we're headed is really getting everything in one place, having information about prescription drug and medications and the cost of those medications specific to a plan, knowing where to turn for triage 24 hours a day to avoid those ER visits, understanding what telemedicine offerings are and the evolution of those. There's great clinical and smart devices coming to market all the time that are going to allow for common ear infection to be detected on your own through a telemedicine visit with a physician on the other end of a video or a phone call. Right? That avoids the 20 minutes or even that's pushing it, I guess, eight minutes you would get with a physician. When you're seeing them in person, you get more and you get a, a very specific session that's going to be lower cost for you on your plan. And on the plan side of things, it's very confusing, almost to the point where it seems purposefully confusing how it was designed in terms of the healthcare insurance industry. All that benefit information, the utilization information, where to turn, what other programs and services are available – All of that is really paramount to having someone log in, see it all in one place, have a chat, have a phone call and be done and return to their life. And the value that our members see from having this experience in one place is that they can come to us. It's first now top of mind versus struggling and ignoring what might be a healthcare decision they have to make or a cost specific decision they have to make. There's someone on the other end that is going to be able to kind of extend what they're able to do on their own and bring down their costs, get them an appointment in a much more simple manner where they don't have to wait on the phone or navigate phone trees or wait for a callback or an email. And this is my personal experience with my own healthcare provider. It's a nightmare to get a dermatologist appointment, not even the cost. That's a separate decision uh, if you should even have it, but just waiting for seven weeks to get an appointment our concierge can help bring down that wait time, access the folks who need to get access in a prompt way, and do it all again with a chat, which I think has been the key motivating driver for engagement for us is I log in, everything is there. I have someone I understand the other side is very competent in what they do, and they know everything about me. I don't have to start from square one. Most folks haven't really invested in those tools and technologies and data To be able to have that experience be so simple and what we often cite as magnetic, where once a member has had that first experience with us, they don't go back to doing whatever it is they were doing before. They come back and use the Zest concierge service.
0: Is Zest actually providing the telehealth physicians, for example, and you are actually interfacing with HIPAA-protected patient information outside of the four walls of the health plan?
1: Yeah, it's a great question. Um, and most employers are using third party services from a telemedicine perspective that are very popular and they're growing very quickly in terms of their provider and doctor networks. They're onboarding uh, as they do. These companies, for example, uh, MD Live, Teladoc, Doctor on Demand, fantastic companies. The common thread that they have as a challenge is distribution and awareness. So employers may send postcards in the mail to all the employees right after open enrollment and all the plans have been selected. For someone to take advantage of telemedicine. And sadly, just like those emails that go to the junk mail from the HR team, you're also seeing these telemedicine marketing campaigns be put in the trash or shredded, right? And that's just the experience we've seen from our membership because no one is explaining how it's relevant. No one's explaining potentially the costs that are involved. Now, telemedicine is often subsidized by their employer, and there's also a lack or a you know, potential mistrust because it's not how things have been done historically for the last you know, number of decades. And so telemedicine is an area where we integrate with those third-party programs because the employer already subscribed to them, and they're looking for a means of amplifying that distribution. Our team behind the scenes behind our own concierge service are benefits advisors who have specialties, who have healthcare-related degrees. And it been focused on benefits, the application of benefits, claim adjudication, the coding, billing inquiries, all of these really messy and complicated attributes that the average employee doesn't have with them. And arguably, even the average HR benefits administrator doesn't have in their repertoire. And on the other side, when there's a triage event, our benefit and concierge advisors will bring a nurse who averages 15 years of experience or more into that dialogue, whether it's a phone discussion for triage or via chat. There's a lot of questions that can come up that most folks have kind of ignored and never really posed because they couldn't get into see their physician or didn't have that true kind of back and forth experience available to them.
0: There has been a lot of discussion lately, and maybe I'm not up on the very latest, around telehealth and economics. And this came up when Oscar first launched because one of the main pillars of their model is the opportunity for patients to use telehealth. And and people were, you know, raising their eyebrows. Is telehealth actually a cost saver or is it an extra cost driver? For example, there was a study that was done which showed that telehealth doesn't actually reduce office visits. It actually adds a telehealth visit. So what people will do is they'll call in for telehealth, they'll talk to somebody, and then they'll still go in for a visit. Although, you know, from a patient satisfaction standpoint, I can certainly both personally and professionally see that there are advantages there. What's the trend been as far as you can tell?
1: Sure. Uh, from our lens and our perspective, there's two sides to it. You, you hinted at the cost savings angle, which is, is really the, one of the early questions we get from all the employers we, did, we have conversations with or via their broker consultants who are helping them with their, their benefit strategy. There really is a very high quantifiable encounter savings with telemedicine that that is being looked at as kind of the, the future evolution of the overall health and benefits plan. So I don't think it's going away. I think it's increasing. What we do to make sure that that telemedicine visit is very relevant and very core to the member and everything we know about their needs, their particular issues they're presenting with, as well as their plan design is accounting for our third-party partners and programs like telemedicine in our own net promoter score. So as we look at our service and how we rate our calls, our chats, the quality overall, we think of things like hold time, speed of answer, the overall service level, the net promoter score we get rated by each of our members, but also the third-party programs they may opt into, whether that's another service that offers a second opinion. It may be a service that offers a means of very quickly finding a therapist. And now you're seeing companies like Talkspace who are an on-demand chat service for therapists. You have licensed therapists on one hand, and you have members who are looking to have this kind of virtual experience instead of having to have a scheduled appointment in person. And it's now changing the trajectory of how I think care is being delivered because there's now more options available. So for us, we are only looking at the overall picture of how we help a member. And if there's a service that is potentially giving them higher costs, and not delivering some some significant improvement in how care is delivered, it's not something that we'd consider long-term. And we have those conversations with employers who are continuously looking for more metrics. And I think that kind of segues into employers lacking historically a means of knowing how members want to engage with them, how they're using those services that are very costly and continuing to rise in costs. And what are those success stories where a member or an employee is using all the services in the right way and doing the right things and making the right decisions. And and this is where some of the reporting and customer success and management that we offer to our employers, think of it as a dashboard of who's activating in terms of the accounts, who's engaging, and then what are they doing? Are they interacting with us via phone? Are they having telemedicine visits? What categories do those interactions break down into? Things like triage or scheduling or general information or advocacy, as we've talked about just general administration of their health plan. And then making sure that the appointment scheduling, because we have the appointment scheduling process handled for the member in a white glove manner, we know if that telemedicine program is driving more frequent appointments that are relevant or irrelevant. And we can similarly provide that guidance to both members and employers.
0: Based on your experience, what have you seen? Have you seen the, the number of visits decline in an environment that does offer speedy and meaningful telemedicine?
1: Do you have that set Yeah, I would say in the scenarios that telemedicine is really critically useful. It's someone who has historically been behind on seeing their physicians. We often see, for example, in the logistics industry or for folks who are mobile and on the road and traveling, they neglect to kind of monitor their care, right? So telemedicine is critically important. And that's probably where the the sessions are going to stop because they have never really been going to their primary care physician. They're probably not going to go after the telemedicine visit So in that case, a very large population, right, there's no follow on appointments that are happening. And they're similarly getting guidance and support or even medications prescribed to them in certain cases via telemedicine visit that normally would have been just a complete indifference on, on behalf of the employee. So in that respect, I would say there's fewer appointments, right, that or follow ons required. In the case of late-at-night triage events or anxiety and stress-generated encounters, that's something where someone's going to go to the ER. They're not going to go to the office visit. And, of course, the, the natural inclination for all health and benefits across the spectrum is bring down the number of visits to the ER. No one wants you to have that. The employee doesn't want to pay. The health plan doesn't want that cost. The hospital doesn't really have the resources for it. It's a lose-lose-lose for everyone involved with the ER And I think there's a means of telemedicine playing a key role in providing that guidance in a very short amount of time for somewhat of a $30 to $50 fee versus what's typically an over $1,000 fee when you go to the ER, right? So that's some of the cost savings that can be received or generated there. One of the things that we have found to be very valuable to decrease those office visits that are subsequent to a telemedicine visit is having our call, our triage nurses participate in the telemedicine visit. So they will be there before, during, and after the, the call to explain what the member had just heard, to better understand any next steps that are applicable, and to provide that guidance, aside from not just being a throw over the wall, but it's a warm handoff and an ongoing follow-up.
0: Let's just take this quickly from the payer point of view, because the, sure. the one thing that does occur to me in all this, payers, and I'm going to say very transparently, for example, on the pharmaceutical side and and a little bit less transparently on the medical side, use barriers and kind of forms or wait times or very complicated paperwork. And like I said, subtly or, or unsubtly, they're using those barriers to limit access to care. And in other words, if I make it really difficult to see a specialist and there's a huge wait time, then there's no specialist visit and the cost is reduced. So from an employer standpoint or from a payer standpoint, what has been the reception of a service such as yours?
1: Sure. So I think it's valuable to to point out that Blue Cross Blue Shield of Rhode Island is a known customer of ours using the technology and really the guts of what we've built from the infrastructure perspective to avoid having to maintain their own mobile experience and their own product that can be front and center for their, their membership. We also last year grew our set of investors and we added zaffer Investments. And zaffer is the Blue Cross Blue Shield of Massachusetts investment arm and venture uh, arm. And it's important to bring those two to, to light because it speaks to how important these services and programs and mobile experiences are. And the fact that these health plans and payers don't necessarily have the talent in-house or the resources or even the ability to keep the services running to the level that the expectations of of employees and members. I think it's also really critical to think about the communication strategies that help bring people to the app and bring them back and continue to engage with it when they they need help.
0: Where can people find out more about Zest Health should they be interested?
1: Uh, You can find us online at zesthealth.com where we have a couple screenshots and guidance around how we focus and help both the employers and the health plans. You can take a look at our screenshots in the App Store and Google Play. Just search Zest Health, and we're also on Twitter, pretty actively at Zest Health. And if you'd like to get in touch with me directly, I'm on Twitter. I'm on LinkedIn. Twitter is J Ozeron, O Z E R A N.
0: I thank you so much for being on the
1: podcast today. Absolutely happy to be here.
0: Links to everything discussed on the program today can be found at RelentlessHealthValue.com. If you visit the website RelentlessHealthValue.com.